If you would, to First John, chapter 5. The name of the message is Overcoming the World. Overcoming the World. Now go into a Christian bookstore, supposed Christian bookstore, and you will find that there are all kinds of books written about overcoming the world or how to be a better Christian. Always. There's always these self-help books, they call them. And the books are usually all about what you have to do. Always about what you have to do. Now, natural religious men, they eat this stuff up. Men and women, they eat this stuff up. They just eat it I used to eat it up. I did. They eat it up. And they try to apply the things in the book which are told them to do, which are usually nothing but chains in religion, nothing but chains, and they, they weigh the religious professor down. They weigh him down with burdens which cannot be borne and causing the reader of those books to despair even more. I usually felt worse after I read those because I knew I didn't measure up. And they set standards to which you can't live up to because we're sinners. Every one of us. Everything we do is tainted with sin. We know that. We know that. And beloved God, we do not overcome the world by anything we do. You know that? We don't overcome the world by anything we do. Now, Brother John, we've had good talks about how, how when, a, when a person's saved, we should tell them, look out, you're in for a ride now. Because that happens. You're in for a ride that you never even thought about before. You're in for warfare now. But we know that we don't overcome that warfare on our own strength. We know as believers, and we do battle though, don't we? But we hold the shield of faith. Who's the shield? Who's the shield of faith represent? Who, who's the object of our faith, beloved? It's Christ. We have the sword of the Spirit that, that's able to cut to the dividing bone in the center. And that's, that's the Word of God. It's all about Christ. We have the helmet of salvation on, which our salvation's in Christ and Him alone. We have the breastplate of righteousness. Well, we, we certainly would never approach God in our own righteousness, would we? No. We can only approach God with a perfect righteousness. And that's the imputed righteousness of Christ, beloved. And the belt of truth. Right? Who's the way, the truth, and life? It's Christ. And our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. The gospel's all about Christ and what he's done. All about him. So we stand. We're to stand. We're not to go backwards. We're to stand. Stand in what we believe. Stand firm. But we do not overcome the world by anything we do. No, it's, it's Christ Jesus our Lord who has overcome the world. He's overcome the world. And, and by faith, we look to him. We look to him. And we see, we see this tonight, that, that Christ and Christ alone, he's the object of our faith. We know that. We know that. He's the object of our faith. True saving faith. True God-given saving faith looks away from self and looks to Christ alone. We look right to him. 
write to him. He is the object of our faith. And we believe what God says. He's the Son of God. He's God incarnate in the flesh. And that God-given faith that's been given to us, by that, we believe the truth of the Scriptures. We believe the truth of the Scriptures. We believe, again, by God-given faith, the testimony that God has given us in the Scripture. Look at verses 11 and 12 in this chapter. And this is the record. This is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Nowhere else. Notice that? Nowhere else. Not in Buddha, not in Muhammad, not in any religion. It's in Christ Jesus. Nowhere else. Nowhere else. Everything else is Antichrist, false Christ. That's what the Scriptures declare. Folks don't like to hear that, but that's what the Scriptures declare. Anything that's not of Christ is Antichrist. Mary worship is Antichrist. It's plain and simple. Plain and simple. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and that's eternal life because it comes from God who's eternal. Can't lose it. It's eternal. It's not based on us. It's eternal. It's in Christ. And this life is where? Is in his Son. That's where it is. Eternal life is nowhere outside of Christ. Outside of Christ, no one has eternal life. But in Christ, the believer has eternal life. And look what it says here. He that hath the Son hath life. Pretty plain, isn't it? Right? Very clear. See, it's very plainly spoken here. And, and he that hath not the Son of God, hath not life. So these people that say anyone outside of Christ, well, they're, oh, they're gone to a better place. No, they're not. No, they're not. They're not gone to a better place. We're only safe in Christ. We're only safe from the wrath of God in Christ. Outside of, the, outside of Christ, the wrath of God falls. Just like just we have a, such a clear picture with the ark. All who were inside the ark, not a drop of God's wrath, being the rain, fell upon them. Not a drop. It was pitched from within and without, which pictured the blood of Christ. And they were sealed in there. But outside that ark, everybody and everything perished. The wrath of God fell upon them. Fell upon them. Now, last week in our study, we looked at verses 1 to 3 of, of 1 John 5 here. We saw the results or effects of regeneration. We looked at how our love for God and for the brethren are, are fruit of being born again. It's fruit of the Spirit. We saw that very clearly in Galatians. And the result or effect of our regeneration is that we believe what God says in his book. We believe it. We, we believe that report that right there in verses 11. In 12, we believe that. By God-given faith, we believe that. And we love the Lord Jesus Christ, and we love God, the Father, and we love the brethren, we love God's words, we love the gospel, we love the commands and scriptures. They're not grievous to us, as verse 3 says. They're not grievous to the, to the saint of God, not at all. Now the Greek word there, grievous, look at verse 3 there, it says, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. The Greek word there 
means burdensome. Burdensome. Heavy burden. So, so the commandments of God for the born-again believer are not heavy burdens. No. No, they come from our great God. So this word comes from our God. And we love his word. We, and we believe it. We, 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 we won't come to a full understanding of it. We won't come to, but the little bit that we know, we rejoice in and we marvel. Brother Tim James, I listened to a sermon by him this week on sovereignty. If you get a chance, download it. It's phenomenal. It's called sovereignty. One word, sovereignty. And he said about learning who God is, that, that we don't, I, I'm going to mess it up, but basically he was saying, for the little bit that we learn about God is like taking a teaspoon and trying to empty the Atlantic with a teaspoon trying to know who God is, one teaspoon at a time. He's so vast, beloved. He's so, he's so immense. He's so incredible. His ways are not our ways, and his thoughts are not our thoughts. He so transcends us so much. He's God, and that's, that's our God, beloved. That's our God. Now, so in the Greek word there, grievous means, means burdensome, heavy burden. So, so, the word of God, the commandments of God are not, are not, bur- they're not heavy for us, right? Turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew 23. Matthew 23. Matthew 23. Let's read verses 1 to 4. Look at this. Then spake Jesus to, to the multitude and, and, to his disciples, saying, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So they've got the high place, right? And all, therefore, whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and, and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. So they're telling people to do things, and they're not doing them themselves. Now look what the scripture says here in light of that word grievous being burdensome and heavy burdens. For they bind heavy burdens and, grieve to, and grievous to be borne and lay on man's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. Look at that. For they bind heavy burdens. They put heavy Religious people put heavy burdens upon the people who follow them. Heavy burdens. They're grievous. In the Greek there means they're burdensome. They're heavy. And they are. I've experienced it. They're, hard, they're heavy. Oh, man. You go into church and you feel worse coming out. You feel worse coming out. And lay them on man's shoulders. They put them on man's shoulders, right? But look at that. But they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. That's what false preachers do. They lay all these burdens and lawmongers, they lay all these burdens on people and they don't even do them themselves. My. So in light of that, grievous meaning burdensome and heavy burden. Now, now, turn over to Matthew chapter 11. Look at this. Look at this. Those were our master's words there in Matthew 23. But look, look in light of, okay, 
They're not grievous, right? The commandments of God are not grievous to God's people. Which again means they're not burdensome, they're not heavy burdens. Now in light of this and what the Lord said in Matthew 23, we've read this many times, but in light of what we just read there, look at this, look at this. Matthew 11. Look at this. Verses 28 to 30. Come unto me. The words of the masters. Come unto me. All ye that labor and are what? Heavy laden. Are you bored down by religion? Have people put chains and yoked you all about? Right? That's what does. That's what religion does. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest. Right? Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly. He came from heaven all the way down to earth. Condens- what condescension. Meek and lowly, beloved. He, I, was talking to, I was talking to Drew this week. We can't even imagine what heaven is like. We can't even imagine what the worship of God is like. What he left to come to this sin-cursed world. He can't even enter our minds. And he left that. He's, he's making lowly, isn't he? He's making lowly. And he came here to save his people from their sins. Right? He goes on. Take my yoke upon you and learn to be, when we're taught of God... For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. You'll find rest from the, the burden of religious works, and you'll find rest for your souls. Peace. Peace, beloved. For my yoke is easy. It's not grievous. Remember? First John, it's not grievous. First John 5, 3, it's not grievous. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. That just changes the words, doesn't it? Maybe it brings it to light for us. It's not grievous. God's word is not grievous to God's people. We love it. We don't understand it all, but as he gives us light, we rejoice in what we learn, don't we? But oh, the Lord, the Lord sets us free, beloved. Now, with that in our minds, let's go back to 1 John 5 here, and we'll read verses 1 to 8. 1 to 8. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, regenerated, and every one that loveth him that begot loveth him also that is begotten of him. So all who are born again love those who are born again. That's what that's saying. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. We love his word. We love what he said to us. We love his word. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. They're not heavy, just as we saw. He, he told us that. He said, my burden's light. If you're heavy laden with works, come to me, he said. Oh my, it's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. Look at this. This is our verses four and, four and five will be our text tonight. For whatsoever is born of God, that's regenerated, overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. And then this will be part of next week's sermon where we'll look at the witness and the testimony. Look at this. 
This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in the earth, the Spirit, and the water, and the blood, and these three agree in one. So tonight we'll look at verses uh, 4 and 5. Look at this. We'll be looking at what it means to overcome the world and who overcomes the world and how do those who overcome the world overcome the world. Let's read verses 1 to 5 again. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, regenerated, and every one that loveth him, that begot, loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we, when we keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous, not at all. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Very plain spoken, isn't it? It's not. This is what I love about John. He just plainly speaks. He's a fisherman who the Lord saved by grace. We see in these verses that John continues again to bring forth the result, that result of regeneration of being born again. And we know that regeneration comes first, then faith, which works by love. We know that. And all those who love the Father, love Christ, love God's gospel, and love his people. We know that from what we've read and what we've studied. And we see then that, that this faith, which is a gift of God, is described here in these verses as overcoming the world. Overcoming the world. Now this overcoming has nothing to do with human power. It has, contrary to what religion will tell you. It, it has nothing to do with, with human power. It has nothing to do with the power of your will or my will. And, and, and uh, those who came out of religion will testify that this is true. <laughs> it's by grace and mercy of God that we can overcome the world. That's the only way we can overcome the world. We cannot overcome our own sin, can we? Can we overcome our own sin? No. How are we to overcome the world then? If we can't overcome our own sin, how can we overcome the world? The world tells us to pull your bootstraps up, right? Remember hearing that when I remember hearing that as a kid. Pull your pull your bootstraps up, son. Just just put your mind to it. You can do it. Well, listen to this statement that I pulled down from a Christian book website. Nothing, you know, nothing's changed since I used to go into them stores and since I, you know, not, listen listen to this statement. Listen. When your body tells you that you can't do it, don't listen to it. It will tell you that you should quit. But tell your body that your mind is in charge today. And then listen to this. Now notice here, they won't say Christ, they say God because it's, they make it inclusive. To, they can wrap up anybody they want in that statement. Then, But listen, listen to how this goes on. Give God your best. Give God your best. Victory or defeat, listen to this, victory or defeat 
happens in your head first. Think like a winner. That's on a, that's on a frame that you can buy and hang up in your house. That's ridiculous. That's utterly ridiculous. The statement, give God your best victory or defeat, happens in your head. First, think like a winner. It's all about man. You notice that? No Christ. God so they can be inclusive. No Christ. That's what's being peddled out there, beloved. That's what's being peddled out there. It's all about man. It's all about what you have to do. And basically, you overcome the world according to religion by your own strength. God's just up there hoping you're going to do okay. My gosh, beloved. I'm so thankful for a God who's in absolute control. I'm so thankful for a God who keeps me because I'd fall a thousand times a day if it was me. Oh, praise God. What a glorious Savior we have. What a glorious Savior. We cannot overcome the world by an exertion of human willpower. It's just not possible. Again, we can't even overcome our own, our own sin. Overcoming the world here is a matter of faith we see here, right? Look at this. Look at this. For whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? Look at verse 4 again. Now this verse is, is often misapplied by religious folks. And it has a strong appeal to the carnal religious mind. Because they suppose that it is because of them or how strong their faith is that they overcome the world. But let's read this verse again. Let's read, we've read it in context. Now let's read it again. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Again, this, this verse is misapplied. It invokes a standing on some podium, receiving some trophy and relishing the applause of the crowd for your accomplishment. And this is what most of religion attributes to faith, nothing more than delusions of grandeur that they've cooked up in their minds. And I know because I was there. Oh, you do this, you're going to be rewarded for that. Christ is my reward. Hallelujah. And I didn't do anything for Christ to become my, my reward. He blessed me. And I know he blessed you too who believe by his mercy and his grace. That's all. That's all. That's the only way that we are blessed is in Christ. In Christ alone. And man have cooked up things about God, who they think he is, and it's, it's not even close to who he is in the Bible. The victory of faith spoken of here in our text has zero to do with personal recognition. That's a blow to self-righteousness, isn't it? But see, the believer in Christ, the, grace, the, the one who's been showing the grace and mercy of God, we know, we know that salvation's of the Lord. We know we can't keep ourselves, don't we? We know that. Just watch how fast our mind just wanders off. 
Spurgeon used to say, he said, the worst thoughts enter my head when I'm praying. Oh, my. Oh, we're such sinners, beloved. We're such sinners. So the victory of faith spoken of here in our text has zero to do with personal recognition. In fact, true saving faith scorns any such notion, doesn't it? Paul said, I don't want to be found in my own righteousness. I want to be found in Christ. So true saving faith, true God-given saving faith, scorns any notion of personal recognition or personal ability to overcome the world. True saving faith, what we practice goes unnoticed because we give Christ all the glory. He's the one who keeps us. He's the one who overcomes the world. And we're in him, beloved. He's already overcome the world. The victory's already been accomplished. It's already been accomplished in Christ. And God's born-again people, blood-washed people, we don't seek the glory for anything we do. No, we seek to give God all the glory, don't we? He's the only one who's worthy. Are you worthy of any glory? Am I worthy of any? No. We can't boast in our gifts. We can't boast in anything we do. But what we can boast in Christ, can't we? We can boast in him, and we do. We do. What a wonderful, merciful Savior is Jesus Christ, my Lord. He's wonderful. And we've been taught, we've been taught by the Holy Spirit of God, the truth of our Master's words. In John 15, when he says, without me, you can do what? Nothing. Amen. Nothing. Nothing. And we believe that. See, the problem is folks don't believe that. They think they can do something. Well, those in Christ say, I can't do anything without him. Can grapes grow without the vine? No, they can't, can they? (laughs) Can the apples on the tree, can they grow without being attached to the trunk and getting all the nutrients? No, they won't even even come, will they? (laughs) The whole reason that bud opens up is because it's got nutrients from the the trunk going all the way up. But if I break one of them branches off those apple trees and I put it on the ground, even if it's got blossoms, it'll just die. Without me, you can do nothing. See? It's wonderful. It's wonderful. It puts God in his rightful place, and it humbles the pride of man. It humbles the pride of man. It absolutely does. Look at verse 4 again, and take note of what's brought forth here. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Now, those John's writing to, we know from our study, is the born-again, blood-washed people of God. And think of this, we had nothing to do with our first birth, did we? Did we have anything to do with our first birth? Well, the answer is no. What makes people think they have anything to do with the second birth? It's God. And and it's clear in that, that verse right there, for what... Soever is born of God overcometh the world. You, you must be born again. The people of God are, are born again by the Holy Spirit of God. It's his almighty power 
that's regenerated us. And then look, it says, for whosoever or whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. So, so we see those who are the born-again, blood-washed believers, now they overcome the world. And the, world, world, the word world there has a wide meaning. Think of this. This is what it includes whatever is contrary to the Spirit of God. Whatever is contrary to the Spirit of God. The corruption of, of our nature is part of the world. All lust and all the crafts of Satan, all evil are of the world. They're not a God. So how do we overcome the world? How do we do that? Well, and again, and I'll read what our master said. In John 15, verse 5, he said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. John 15, 5. That's so clear, isn't it? Without me, you can do nothing. So does that mean that we can't overcome the world without Christ? Absolutely, that's what it means. Does that mean that we can't save ourselves? Christ has to save us? Absolutely, that's what that means. Does that mean that the Holy Spirit must be the one who regenerates? Absolutely. Because we had nothing to do with our first birth. We have nothing to do with our second. It's the power of God. Christ says, we can't save ourselves, can we? Without me, Christ says, you can do nothing. He's the one who saves us. He's the one who keeps us. And the reason we overcome the world, we're see, is because of Christ. In Christ alone. Look at verse, the latter part of this verse. And this is the victory that overcome the world, even our faith. Now, we are exposed to the things of this world, aren't we? We live in this world, and we're exposed to the things of the world. Yet the Holy Spirit of God reveals to us through the writing of the Apostle John here that we're already victorious, and we know who we're already victorious in. In Christ. We're, that's, he's the only one we're victorious in. Do you see how this goes against the grain of religion? That tells you what you must do? Do you see how when Paul wrote, stand fast in the liberty that had made you free? Do you see how free we are as believers? Isn't it wonderful? It's wonderful. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. Stand fast. We're already victorious in Christ. In Christ alone, the enemy has been defeated. Our enemies. What were our enemies? Sin. Our sins. Well, he's put them all away. The law and justice of God, they had a rightful claim against us. He satisfied them. How have we overcome the world? Only in Christ. Only in Christ. Nowhere else. Nowhere else. In Christ, we are what? More than conquerors. More than conquerors. Outside of Christ, we're hopeless and helpless and have no ability to do anything. Oh, it, it flips. What I believe now totally flips what I used to believe on this upside down because I believed a lie before. And God's given me faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. And that salvation, just as the scripture says, salvation is of 
the Lord, period. And the only way I and you as a believer can overcome this world is in and through Christ Jesus our Lord, period. There ain't no other way. No other way. No other way at all. Look at verse 4 again. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So we see then that faith, which we know is given to us by God, right? It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. What and who is our faith centered upon? Christ. Christ, that's it, Christ. It's centered upon him. So the victory of faith is this, God-given faith attributes the victory to someone else. God-given faith attributes the victory spoken of here to someone else, and it's not us. It's not any other, any other sinner. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. We only have victory in Christ. Only in him alone. There ain't nowhere else. Nowhere else at all. So how are we victorious? How do we overcome the world? In our own strength or by, by how much faith we have? No, beloved. We are again only victorious in, in through Christ, who is the object of our faith. The object of our faith. Again, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And remember, He loved us before we even loved him. We love him because he first loved us. Again, I keep saying this. It's true. I was talking with Drew about that. It just keeps going like this. Right around the circle, right back to Christ, doesn't it? Right back to him. He gets all the glory. He gets all the honor. And he gets all the praise, beloved. It brings man right to the dust. Brother Tim said, we're like maggots. We get put right in the ground when we see the sovereignty of our great God. He is almighty. And oh, that he would have mercy on us. That he would have mercy on us and grace upon us. Oh, it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Turn, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. Who gets all the glory? By the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace of God. I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, we didn't ask for it. We didn't seek it. It was given to us. It was bestowed upon us. A gift. Which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than, you, than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with, with me. Look at that. He labored by the grace of God within him. Oh, it's wonderful. Again, it full circles back to Christ. It full circles back to Christ. Now go over to Galatians, if you would. Go over to Galatians. 
Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. Look what Paul penned here. And we know that Paul penned this. He penned this by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Just as the last verse we looked at too. Look at this in Galatians chapter 2. Verses 20 and 21. Paul writes, I am crucified with Christ. I'm crucified. We were in him when he died on Calvary's cross. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He's loved us from eternity. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Now turn to Hebrews chapter 11, if you will. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. True faith, true faith believes what God says. True God-given faith believes what God says. Abraham believed God and what? It was counted to him for righteousness. Therefore, true God-given faith centers on Christ and gives him all the glory. It hears God's call, right? We're regenerated by the Holy Spirit of God. We hear the call of the shepherd and the preaching of the gospel. It obeys God's commands, right? They're not grievous to us. We noticed that. We saw that in 1 John 5, 3. They're not grievous to us. It obeys God's command. It trusts God's providence. True faith. True saving faith. Trust God's providence. We might not always understand it. And most of the time we don't. But we trust them. We trust God's providence. And you know what it does? It inherits the promise. It inherits the promise. Look at this in Hebrews chapter 11, verses uh, 8 to 10. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he stood, or which he should, after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whether he went. He, he, he believed what God said. He, out he went. God told him, come out of the Urchaldees. He's an idol worshiper. Right? By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise. As in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob and heirs with him, of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. He looked, he looked to heaven, to go home, to be with the Lord, to inherit the promise. To inherit the promise, beloved. So, who overcomes the world? Let's go back in our chapter and look at verse 5 now. It's made very clear right here. Verse 5. 1 John 5, 5. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. So this truth is again pressed home. This truth is again pressed home. Who overcomes the world? Well, he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And we see in verse 4 that those who are born again of God regenerated, overcome the world. And those who are regenerated, we see here in verse 5, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. They believe what God says about his son. They believe the testimony. They believe the record, as we saw 
at the beginning of the message. They believed the record. There was a time when we didn't believe the record. We didn't believe the testimony. But now we do, praise God. By God-given faith. And we see here plainly, look at this too, that regeneration precedes faith. Because look at verse, look at verse, uh, i got to go back to John, First John. Look at verse uh, 4. For whatsoever is born of God, that's regeneration, overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. We know that's a gift from God. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. So those who have been granted faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, those who have been regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit, they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's plainly brought forth here that regeneration precedes faith. Plainly. But this can only be understood by those who are born again. By those who are born again. Therefore, again, what happens? Our God receives all the glory. All the glory. Let us never forget that we overcome the world in and through Christ by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is him and by his power that we overcome the world. Not by any effort of our own. And, and we can just say no merit, no merit, no merit. We don't gain any merit with God. <laughs> the only merit we have with God is in and through Christ and him alone. That's it. That's it. Now, do we walk by faith? Absolutely. Do we, do we loathe sin? Absolutely. But the only way we overcome anything is through Christ. We are victorious in Christ, and that's it. See, again, it's the total opposite of what religion, but I read you that, that quote. That, that, that's all about man. But, but the scripture brings forth that it's all about Christ. This book is all about redemption story. This book is written to God's people. It's not written to the world. It's written to God's born-again people. And the only way we understand this book is by the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit, and he gives us an understanding of what's put here in this book. Because I can tell you, I did not understand this book before the Lord saved me. I read parts of it. It was just paper and ink. But oh my, praise be to God, it's a whole new book now. It's a whole new book. And it's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. So let us never forget that we overcome the world in Christ. And the faith spoken of here is given to all of God's elect. It's a gift. We didn't seek it, it was given to us. And it's all by his grace. It's all by his grace. And true God-given faith believes on the Lord Jesus Christ in him alone. Don't look nowhere else. And in him alone do we have the victory. Let's read verses 4 and 5 again. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? So who has this confidence and assurance? Who has this eternal life and deliverance? Beloved of God, no one but the person 
who believes in, receives, and trusts in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's very clearly brought forth here. Very clearly brought forth. We have faith in Christ, and in Christ we obtain the victory. And we have no trust or confidence in ourselves. None at all. None at all. And we don't even exalt our faith because that's given to us by God. It's God who saved me. In and through Christ and Him alone. And the faith which I have in Christ was given to me. Oh, praise God. I know it's so for you too who believe. Let's go back to chapter 1. We're almost finished. Let's go back to chapter 1 and note, note what the beloved apostle John wrote over in first chapter, chapter first, the first chapter of this book. Remember, he was an eyewitness of Christ and he was an ear witness of Christ. And note how quickly at the beginning of this book, note how quickly at the beginning of this book that our dear brother John brings before us the object of our faith, the Lord Jesus Christ. Note how quickly he does this. Look at verses 1 to 4. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes. So they heard him, they were ear witnesses, and they were eyewitnesses, which we have looked upon in our hands have handled the word of life. He's the word of life. For the life was manifest, and we have seen it. They've seen it. They've seen it like we see one another, beloved. And, and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifest unto us. For that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Bam, it gets right to the point, doesn't it? And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This book's written so that we can know that we know the Lord Jesus Christ and that our joy might be full. <laughs> oh, it's wonderful. So what joy can flood the believer's soul knowing that despite our daily failures, and we fail daily, and not one of us don't fail daily, and despite our daily struggles each and every day, that we have victory over the world in Christ. Doesn't that flood your... It, it, makes, me, it makes me praise his name. I have victory in Christ, in him alone. It is seeing the Son in the glory, fullness, and suitability of his person, office, and grace. And we go to him each day, don't we? Trusting him and living upon him. We feast upon our Savior, don't we? He's the bread of life. He's the bread of life. And we've been taught in the scriptures that victory over the world is not owing to the faith itself, but he who is the object of our faith. It's not owing to faith itself. It's owing to he who is the object of our faith. Because Christ is the one who has overcome the world and he's made us more than conquerors in him. <laughs> That's, it always comes back to him again. Always. So we've seen tonight that the strength of the church, the strength of God's elect lies in Christ alone. It is in Christ alone that she finds the victory. That the church finds the victory only in Christ. Only in Christ. And it's Christ who is the great object of the faith of, of God's people. The God-given faith that's given to us, Christ is the object of that. In Christ alone. And he that is born of God sees himself as a needy, lost, and helpless sinner. And we behold Christ. We behold Christ. And we see the fullness of salvation in him. 
a fullness of salvation in Him. We're given eyes to look to Him. We're given eyes to look to Him. We're given faith to believe on Him. And we see that only in Christ can we be saved. And when we're born again, we hunger and thirst after Christ, don't we? We hunger and thirst after our Savior. We do. After righteousness. And He's the Lord of righteousness. And we hunger and thirst after Him. We find Him to be our all in all. We find Him to be our wisdom. We find Him to be our righteousness. We find Him to be our sanctification. We find Him to be our redemption. And only in Christ, again, only in Christ and Him alone, do we overcome the world. Only in Christ. And it's He who we trust our eternal souls to. We rest in His finished work of salvation for us, don't we? We rest in Him. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ, and He is the Son of God. Glory to His name. Glory to His name. Heavenly Father, again, we thank You for allowing us to come together and look into Thy Word. And, oh, Lord, we know that we cannot overcome even our own sin. We cannot overcome anything in this world, but we are more in conquerors in You, Lord. You have already won the victory. You've already overcome the world. And in thee, we overcome the world. And you've given us faith to look upon thee, who is the only one we can overcome the world. By, only by you, Lord. Glory to your name. May we think upon these things as we, as we go to our homes. And this week, may we think about how we only have victory in you, Lord. We only can overcome our sin in you, Lord. Because you've done it all for us. Glory to your name, in Jesus' name, amen. Brother John.